0: podcast to show you who I am, uh, Conrad Cushman, the legend in the plans, uh, please listen every day to the showcase, the opinions and knowledge that anyone can tell you, showing you how it is done, proving I am number one, what a legend becomes, this is now my time to show you that I am here, uh. this podcast just to make it loud and clear, uh, by the fans, uh, for the fans, uh, not many who's here can understand everything pro wrestling if can never be you listen to the podcast here for the people the best show that's here so listen in let the knowledge begin the opinion and the lesson yes.
1: folks welcome to everything pro wrestling everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans I'm your host, Conrad Cushman, here to present you with a review of SummerSlam 2022. The event took place Saturday, July 30th, 2022, in Nashville, Tennessee, in the Nissan Stadium, home of the Titans. Uh, This was available on Peacock and WWE Network internationally. Um, This is a new regime right now for WWE. This Vince McMahon is gone. Uh, We've covered it in the past. Please check out me and uh, my homie Sean from Hubbard Wrestling Weekly. Uh, We did a great job, I think, in covering Vince McMahon's retirement, him being gone. And we were wondering who would take over, who would be in charge. And it is now known as The Game. Triple H is in charge of creative. Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan are going to be co-CEOs for the time being. And it sounds like changes are coming, but slowly. So some things still don't feel right, but they're trying to fix those things. And uh, recently at a WWE tryout event, which featured Dwight Howard there, Triple H said that he's going to make WWE better than ever for the fans. And I'm glad that that's the mindset he's going in with. Will it be? I don't know. It's a different time. It's a different period. But it's something that I like to uh, see attempted, at least. That's all that you can ask for sometimes is... The attempt to do something better. Um, Overall, for, for the feeling of the shows since Vince has been gone, it still feels like Vince's shows, but they've had some tweaks to it. Tonight on commentary, Michael Cole felt more free than I think I've ever heard him feel free. Like, I actually thought he did a pretty decent job overall with commentary. So, like I said, some things makes you wonder. Like... How much was Vince hindering certain things? How much was Vince making certain things tightened or better? It makes you wonder. And no, there is no reason to excuse any of the horribleness that Vince McMahon did. I, I get that you want to acknowledge the things that he did for your childhood, but at the same time, you can acknowledge that he's done some very horrible things as well as a human being. I'm not here to dwell on that. Vince McMahon's gone. Peace. I don't care. You know what I mean? Uh, I want to talk about what's happening right now within the world of pro wrestling, and it's the SummerSlam show. So let's get into this. The opening matchup on this card uh was for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh Bianca Belair ends up going up against Becky Lynch. Becky comes out in her usual attire. Um, something crazy, right? That looks like it's out of the fifth element, and then you've got Bianca Belair who is the home state girl. She is one of the favorites, obviously, coming out there for it. And, um, yeah, I really thought this one was a hot way to get the crowd into it. This is a WrestleMania rematch, and this has been a problem for, like, the last two years. They've kind of fallen back to the WrestleMania rematch for SummerSlam. Remember last year? It was supposed to be Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair, and that was such a great match at WrestleMania. We were all for it. But now we're getting Becky and Bianca again. And going into this, I just felt like you can't you can't do this twice to her. Because last year, Sasha couldn't make it to the match. We all remember what happened. Becky Lynch was able to come out there and defeat Bianca Belair in quick fashion, rock bottom, one, two, three. Um, whatever. Like she beat her and we were all like, yo, what the heck is this? That was not what we were expecting. So it's it's just I don't know. It was something you didn't want to see happen again, but the odds were there for it to happen. Um, th- This was a, a really like good back and forth match. Uh The crowd was feeling it. It was a great way to make sure that Bianca got cheered. That was a fear I had. If it's like had a different spot in the show that maybe people would fall back and think, Oh, it's Becky Lynch. This is great. Um, Because I personally, I'm going to explain something at the end of this about Becky Lynch. And I'll tell you why afterwards, but um, these these ladies had a knockdown drag out brawl. It was perfect for the opener. Uh, it, went, it got a good amount of time. And I think that was huge tonight. I think that was a, a Triple H checkbox if you've watched takeovers. Smaller card, but given lots and lots of time. It helps people get seen on the roster more. And with the roster that they have at this point, Triple H didn't need any more of that stuff. He was just like, you know what? We're going we're gonna to do a lot here, but we're going to do it in uh, fewer matches, and I think we're going to be able to do some more. Eventually, um, Bianca and her, they did like a KOD on the outside. Uh, they did a nice powerbomb spot where, like, Bianca went for a move, and Becky Lynch caught her with a powerbomb. I thought that was very well done. Becky had some—she uh, went for her cross arm breaker, but uh, it eventually just got flipped over and different things were happening. She, she went for the manhandle several times. It, it was a really good match. Uh, she went for the manhandle, slam off the top rope. Bianca countered it to the Spanish fly, picked her up, KOD for the victory, and Bianca celebrates with the women's championship. And let me explain this. Um, after the match, Bianca celebrates in the ring. She's holding up the championship in front of everybody. It's a good moment. And then here comes Becky with uh, her hands over her ribs, and she extends the arm out and she wants to shake hands and Bianca looked reluctant at first but eventually she did she shook her hand and uh Becky gave her the ring said it was all hers and Bianca was happy and then all of a sudden we hear some music play that we haven't heard in almost over a year Bailey's music hits and Bailey gets ready to come out and Bailey stops in the middle of the entrance ramp and she's looking at uh becky lynch not even the middle she was like right in front of the ring so bailey's there people are going crazy bailey's got uh pockets all over her gear i don't know why i feel like mentioning that but it was something that was just painfully obvious when you see it and she's out there but then all of a sudden um she is joined by somebody and we get another music that hits and it's dakota kai someone who was released in april dakota kai is back so she's been rehired by Triple H, and he said he was going to write a lot of wrongs. So here it comes. This is the beginning of it. And then we see Io Shirai come out to join them. There was rumors of Io Shirai possibly leaving, going back to Japan. Well, it sounds like maybe she's going to be staying for a little bit. Now, on commentary, Corey Graves called her Io Sky, and it looks like they've changed the spelling of her name and I know her nickname was the genius of this guy, but I still found this very weird that you just changed their name and Corey Graves was the only one that knew. I mean, I guess that's fine for, for what it is. It's weird because AEW does the same thing. And I think that they should they should really focus in on, like, having a reason for this. Or, you know, I saw her backstage and she mentioned to me that she's going by this name now in the ring, blah, blah, blah. You know, but they, they kind of just played it off like, oh no, this is EO Sky now, and she's here with Bailey. So this is an interesting group. And I was I heard a rumor that this was a group that was uh thought about beforehand, but got shut down by Vince McMahon. So apparently they're gonna try this new faction. And Bailey getting the first faction out of uh everybody is pretty cool. Um and I guess I technically can't say that of the four horsewomen, right? Because they definitely had team bed and uh what was it uh Becky Page and whatever the submission sorority don't google that kids um yeah they they had different groups but Bailey's going to have like her own group and i think this that's nice for Bailey she deserves it um i'm happy she's back and i can't wait to see what everyone else does in this situation so if this is all going to be on the raw brand raw just got this much stronger happy with it and um, when it looks like they're all three going to jump in the ring and put a beat down on uh, Bianca, Becky Lynch steps in and becomes a baby face again. And this is the last point I want to make about this. I still feel, and I know um, my good friends at the Pro Wrestling Shoot, make sure you guys give them a subscribe and follow after this podcast is done. Uh, Jesse, James, and their crew went to SummerSlam last year. And I felt that Becky Lynch was over. She should have never turned heel. I think the fans would have loved her being back. Would they have probably eventually turned heel? Maybe. Maybe. Depends on how you booked her character. But I just didn't think it was time to turn her heel. So her going back to babyface now, excellent. And to me, it sets up her WrestleMania match in the future. More on that momentarily. Let's get to the next match here, which was a a celebrity match. Logan Paul versus the Miz. Now this goes back to their whole tag team match at WrestleMania. They won. Miz turns on him. Then he tried to, you know, tell Logan Paul he was teaching him a lesson. Yada 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 yada. And they booked Logan Paul as the babyface in this. I'm I'm shaking my head right now at this one, guys. Logan Paul is not going to be likable. He's a rich Hollywood celebrity coming into pro wrestling. I don't know if he's going to be babyface, but I will say this about the match. I'm not going to go into this because it was a Miz match. It it was very well wrestled. It was solid. But Miz, they have not been doing Miz right, in my opinion, and they have to work on fixing that. They had Tommaso Ciampa just, I don't know what he was wearing, bro. He looked like the Miz tonight, wearing like the, the pink and green. And I was like, what is this, bro? What happened to Tommaso Ciampa? That I love from NXT. What happened? You know, like just. Ugh. I mean, Maurice came out. Maurice looked good. Maurice looked real good, I should say. Um, and I always think she adds something to the Miz a little bit more. So I love when Maurice is there. And yeah, it, it was cool. He tried to come out and mock Logan Paul. Logan Paul comes out in his uh, his usual attire. I thought Logan Paul looked pretty cool though and honestly for someone who hasn't been doing this that long, Logan Paul's great. And if he wants to have a real future in this, could he? Hell yeah. I would say he's good enough too. That, that that's my opinion on it though. Logan Paul can do whatever the hell he wants because he's that good. He's he's an athlete. He's an athlete. Him training, you could just tell this dude is really good. Um He hit moonsaults. He hit frog splashes. He hit a cross body that was pretty nice off the top rope. He did a few things that looked like it was like, I I would say like goofy style, kind of like where it looks weird, but he landed it perfectly. So can I complain? No. The only sad part about this match was uh, Tommaso Ciampa gets caught trying to cheat or interfere and the ref boots him out. He refuses to leave. And then this is the only appearance we get from AJ Styles. This is the best thing we could do for AJ Styles on SummerSlam. It's just so sad, you know, like where the guy was a couple years ago to where he is now. So um, AJ Styles just shows up uh, and he he tells basically Champa to skedaddle, chases him over, uh, or beats him over the barricade, and they battle through the crowd. Miz and Logan Paul go at it. Like I said, frog splash to the table on the outside. Um, Maurice tried to distract the referee, miss, tried to capitalize, uh, using a weapon almost hits Maurice gets stopped. And Logan Paul hits the skull crushing finale for the pinfall victory. Uh, and then Logan Paul ends up taking a swig of his prime energy drink after the match. What, what can you say? What can you say? He had to get his, uh, he had to get his shine in there. Like I said, Logan Paul, I thought did an excellent job here and it was cool. It was cool. I want to see more of Logan Paul in the ring. I just think Logan Paul should be a heel. I would love to hear what you guys think of that, but that's that's my reaction to it, me personally. Next up, we had uh, Bobby Lashley versus Mr. Money in the Bank, Austin Theory. Um, Bobby Lashley is defending his championship against the man he took it from. Um, Theory vowed that he was going to win it back, win the title, and cash in the Money in the Bank contract tonight bullshiggity that's not happening uh theory went to attack him with the briefcase before the bell rang lashley asked the ref if he still wanted to compete match officially begins um these two had their usual match nothing too long into this lashley got to show his power theory got to show why he's a heel his sliminess throughout the match and uh in the end he ends up getting um i'm trying to figure out how he went for it lashley went for a spear Theory did a great leapfrog over, showing his athleticism. Bobby uh, went to the turnbuckle. Theory went for another drop kick. Lashley was ready, and then he quickly um, picked him up for a press slam, brought him down, put on the hurt lock, immediately gets the tap out, and Lashley is victorious. Hurt lock for the win. Um, It's all good, man. Can we bring in Chris Masters? I want to see Chris Masters versus Bobby Lashley. I feel like they would still put on a really good match with each other. And I think Chris Masters would probably get hired back for uh, his look, man. But I know he's still in the NWA right now, but I would be for it to see it happen. Um, But job well done for Bobby Lashley in this one. Three matches in, and uh, that's that's what they were doing on this show. And this was one of the shorter ones, but it didn't need a lot of time because of what's going to happen later. At least that's my opinion on it. I don't think you needed to do too much here. You go in. The, the only thing I don't like is when you're Mr. Money in the Bank. I feel like sometimes WWE thinks, oh, well, we can beat you because you have the briefcase and it doesn't matter. I think that's a bad idea still. I want this person to feel like a threat, not feel like a chump who got lucky going up against someone. Personal preference, though. That's just me talking about it. But listen, we're going to get more into the rest of this card after this. We're going to take a quick little ad break. For our good friends at Everything College Basketball and the Pro Wrestling Shoot, make sure you guys stick around, show them some love, and then come back to listen to the rest of the SummerSlam review.
2: What's going on, everybody? This is Jesse Carter over at the Pro Wrestling Shoot Podcast, and every Monday we release new podcast episodes over on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Along with me usually is James Pinard Jr., my co-host. Over on our show, you can catch original segments where our show is actually put together like a show. No, we don't just press play and start recording. We put some deep thought into our shows with our original segments, and right now we are currently doing our What If series. Come and check that out, as well as every Tuesday, on youtube we are doing live streams and if we're not live streaming we're posting videos with some good content on it what can you expect from our podcast well they say controversy creates cash maybe come and check it out and find out for yourself most of our episodes are can't miss we try to give you the best entertainment possible come and check it out join our live chats on tuesdays over on youtube follow us on youtube at the pro wrestling shoot also you guys can follow us on facebook instagram twitch and tiktok at the pro wrestling shoot and on twitter at tpws podcast once again come and follow us on all of our social media accounts where we stay active every single day and also, do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hop in our live chats. We'd love to hear your thoughts on anything related to professional wrestling. What's going on, EPW Nation? It's your boys from the Everything College Basketball Podcast, Josh and Peyton. Here to remind you all that college basketball season is right around the corner. Yes, we finally know it's right around the corner. And, Peyton, there's only one place people should go for all the college basketball excitement. Well, Josh, the only place to find all college basketball hoops all the time is everything college basketball. Everything college basketball can be listened to on several podcast hosting sites like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And we can also be found on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash everything college basketball yes make sure you're joining the group with a, a couple other hundred people and growing by the day as we march into year number three of the everything college basketball networking system now let's get back to conrad and everything pro wrestling
1: welcome back everybody glad to have you guys back still listening to the podcast now getting back into the uh wwe SummerSlam review let's talk about the next match up here we had the mysterios versus the judgment day bro i've had my issues with this storyline and i have my issues with this match let's start with the issues first number one the judgment day why in the hell would these people turn on edge When Edge has been the only person that has brought them any promise, it doesn't make sense. It makes very little to no sense. This guy has not lost a match on pay-per-view, and then you talk about he was making you weak and you turn on him, to go with Finn Balor, and you're like 50-50 in your matches now? What? It doesn't make sense, and I absolutely just disliked how they did everything. It was a shocking moment for the sake of a shocking moment. It's one of those things that uh, I forgot who used to use this example with me, but your your dog could drop a turd in the middle of the kitchen. And that's a shocking moment, too. But there's there's good shocking moments and there's just like, well, that was just shocking that you did that, but it's still bad. And that's how I feel when it comes to uh, the judgment day. Terrible, bro. Just not a fan of how they executed that. The Mysterios, like Dominic Mysterio is supposed to be a wrestler, and he's so scared of Rhea Ripley that he lets Rhea Ripley hold him while he watches his father get beat up. I get the visual that they were trying to go for or something, but have Dominic get beat up first or whatever, you know? Like, what I'm saying is he didn't fight back. At least have Rhea Ripley pepper him or do something to him so that he can't do anything. It just it made Dominic look so weak, and I was just like, ah, so frustrated with it. And I thought that the Mysterios had been on a good run. So they make themselves a no DQ match after all this fallout with these two groups uh, or two tag teams or whatever you want to call them. So they make a tag match and it's no DQ. So in your head, you're probably thinking, well, this has to be Tornado, right? It's a no disqualification tag match. Nope. They're doing the old honor system. They're like, you know what? I trust you, man. Make the tag and you'll be the legal man in the match. What? What is this? But that's what they decided to do. Um, it's not a bad match. And personally, I don't know. I feel I see a lot of people being like very hard on Dominic Mysterio online. I thought that Dominic. I think he's fine. I think he's fine for what he's doing right now. I don't know. I, I just think a lot of people are very harsh on this guy because uh, he's Rey Mysterio's son. But he's not going to wrestle the same style. He's going to be different. So. I'm happy to see what happens here with Dominic. Um, Finn, I thought Finn looks like a million bucks, but I think we got to get Finn. There are certain groups that I want Triple H and them to look at and just say like, how can we make this better, fix this, tweak this so that it's good. Um, Finn Balor is someone who I think has huge potential uh, going forward for them. And they need to capitalize on that now. If they want to do it, now is the time to like let Finn Balor be a main event guy, a top guy within uh, the WWE. Uh, Priest, great size, and I think Rhea Ripley is the person to take the title from Bianca Belair. I think Rhea Ripley is absolutely phenomenal. Um, great look, plays a role, strong. Rhea Ripley's great, and I think she never got a fair shake when she first had her uh, world title run. So I think it's time to do this one right. Eventually, though uh this match ended up being no dq and during the match all of a sudden lights go out <gasps> who could it be we all knew it was edge it was edge not bray wyatt i know a lot of people keep saying oh i think it's bray wyatt guys listen when it's time it'll be time but the, the this direction easily pointed towards edge i wish we had got a reunion of edge and ray mysterio when they were the uh, tag champs in o2 absolutely love that time period in smackdown but Needless to say, Edge comes in, he spears uh priest and Balor. And this they this ended up leading to a freaking double 619 from Father and Son. Ray, now he, the ropes I felt were not tight tonight because Ray missed like his his splash off the ropes. And I don't know if that's like what I mentioned before. Maybe Vince McMahon would have been on top of that, saying, like, these ropes better be tight. If something happens to one of my performers, that's on you. And I don't know, but I kind of agree. Um, shout out to Casey. He had mentioned that he heard that on commentary as well, or not commentary. He saw it on Twitter from someone and they said that the ropes were loose. And I'm like, yeah, man, maybe that was it. Because Ray kind of, instead of doing the hop up onto the rope in the splash, he kind of just jumped over and launched himself like a missile. And it looked really bad, but whatever. He got the win. One, two, three, the Mysterios get to celebrate. Edge is probably going to be feuding with the Judgment Day after this. Cool. Cool. Uh, Can't wait to see what he does tomorrow. Edge looked great. Um, Yeah, so we'll see where this goes with the group here. Next up, we had a battle of Pat McAfee and Happy Corbin. I almost called him Baron Corbin. Um, The former teammates on the Indianapolis Colts, uh, these two were just... This has been a few that they've had going on for a little bit. They tried to make it personal, but I will say this out of all of Pat McAfee's matches. I felt this was the worst one, and I think it's because Logan Paul was on this card, and that's what we usually compare it to. It's like the celebrity match. I can't front in this one. He got outshined a little bit. Um, I don't know. Pat McAfee just things weren't landing as well as they usually do for him, and that's no knock on it because I still think this is a good match but i just felt like out of his 3 matches like if you go watch the one with adam cole or if you go watch his match at wrestlemania this is the one that you're kind of like ah this doesn't hit as well once you see it but um and and i think corbin gets a bad rap for for like oh he sucks i hate him i think corbin's really good i think he's a good wrestler i think you have to find the right gimmick for this kid like he's been doing this for a while now and i think he gets the heat I think he understands what he's supposed to do. I just think it's all about the gimmick and how he's portrayed. So I would like to see a better character for him in the future. And not just, oh, I got a dollar and I became rich. And now I'm happy all the time. And yay, I'm going to rub my money in your face. like eh. It just doesn't work as well to me. Um, yeah, so we see a lot of banter with the announcers and stuff. Cole's kind of cheering for his friend McAfee here. Um, Corey Graves playing the heel role, cheering for Corbin. I I would like to see Corey Graves get in the ring with Pat McAfee, possibly if he wanted to. Um, in the end, we even got like this weird finish. Like, so he's on the top rope. He does like a a splash off McAfee is a true athlete because he was able to get his balance back and then jump off and hit like a swanton on the Corbin on the outside who was standing up and he eventually gets him in the ring and he hits a sunset flip. Power bomb into the cover for a victory um it didn't look as pretty as it should have it kind of came off as like a uh johnny b bad type of sunset flip from like the the middle rope but whatever dude Cor- corbin loses this is what we all expected pat mcafee gets another win i'm not gonna complain too much about it it's what it is next up Drew McIntyre comes down the entranceway. He has Angela the sword with him. And he stops about halfway because that entrance ramp was long as hell. And he says that uh, he defeated Sheamus on SmackDown to earn a title shot at Clash of the Castle. And Drew says he's wondering, will he face Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar before starting a loud cult chant for a young fan who Drew uh, McIntyre asked what his name was before. And I thought that was a pretty cool moment. Drew then poses with the sword. You get the pyro going off. It was just a promo to hype you up for the next pay per view. I I can't wait to see how that uh, the crowd is going to be at the uh, Clash of the Castle show on September third. Well worth it. I want to. I hope that these fans are loud. They scream. Earn yourselves another pay per view. I, I hope they're that that rabid crowd that um, they need to be to get another show because I like when they go to the UK. SummerSlam ninety two is one of my like favorite shows. I love the look of it. It felt big time. It was great. Next up, we have the uh, I guess the unified tag titles on the line. We have the Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso versus the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. And don't forget, we got special referee, J E Double F, J A Double R E Double T. By the way, he's got a match tonight. If you are watching uh Rick Flair's last match, Jeff Jarrett is in the main event tagging with Jay Lethal versus Rick Flair and Andrade El Idolo. So make sure you guys check that out if interested in that. They got a great card, actually. I think the undercard's worth it just alone. Um, But I think a lot of people want to see how does Flair do in this final match, supposedly. So things to look out for Um, as of this recording. uh, The Usos went in here. This was a physical match. At Money in the Bank, they had a banger. like These tag teams really did well, and I I thought it was great. The Usos are a great tag team. Some people argue they're the best tag team today. I wouldn't argue with you about that. Um, I think that they do a lot of good work together. The Usos are a tremendous tag team. But I think the Street Profits are, too. Um, somebody had brought up like a comparison of the Street Profits to a private party, and I said, you know what? At this point in time, you got to give it to the street profits. They've been clicking on all cylinders, putting on some really good matches, and that's not to undermine private party. I just think that they've been they've elevated themselves. Like right now, I see Montez Ford as a big star for them. I could see Montez Ford and Bianca Belair as the world champions of their respective divisions, and being like a, a Triple H and Stephanie were back in two thousand. I really have that much high hope for him. And I would like to see them both as heels when they do that. I think it would work so well. But Montez Ford um, is in here. And people have been sleeping on Dawkins, too, a little bit. And I feel it's unfair to the guy. Like, he's kind of already getting, like, the push away. Like, oh, look at Montez Ford. Look at what Montez Ford could do. You can even see it in the matches that they're trying to give Montez Ford the big spots. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, Dawkins will be forgotten about. Dawkins is great, too don't let people sleep on you. I've watched this guy come up from just not knowing what they wanted to do with him to where he is now. He's really good. So I'm interested to see what they do with both of them. And they couldn't come at a better time because under the previous management, I'm pretty sure they would have had Dawkins fall to the wayside and it would have been game over. But, um, these guys were just going all over the place. Jeff Jarrett made a count. Montez Ford uh, shouted at Jeff Jarrett after he hit a frog splash, but he couldn't follow up because of the beating that he had taken throughout the match. He thought Jarrett should have counted three. He didn't. You saw that, that heat. He's, you saw a little healness coming out of Montez Ford here, and this is what's leading to the talk of maybe they're about to break up, but... Eventually, uh, it led to them going to the outside. I believe Montez Ford got caught with like a super kick or whatever, a double super kick, and they ended up getting back in the ring. Dawkins gets hit with the one D, which is the three D, but I think it's supposed to be like the day one, and or and it's just done, man. One, two, three. The Usos retain their tag titles. They're able to get out of there barely, but the Usos win. Fans cheer. And you just see at the end a frustrated look on the street profits' face. They didn't they look like they didn't know what to do. Um, I don't know. The Usos have had a long tag title reign. I do think the main thing you need to look at for this tag division is it's time to get some more teams in there. Someone asked me yesterday who are the teams in the tag division, and I couldn't name anybody. It was sad. I was like, you got the street profits, you got Gable and Otis. RK Bro's not really there right now. Uh, uh, So I think it's time to look to form some new teams, call some people up from NXT and make teams. It's time. I would even start looking at maybe possibly calling up the Creed Brothers. Like, let those guys come up eventually once they lose the tag titles. So... Food for thought when it comes to that, but these are the things that I want on the new management's mind. Let's rebuild the tag division. If you got guys who are coming down a little bit that are getting up there and you want to put them in a tag team, if you got informed teams that make sense, that dress the same, that are going to be formidable tag teams, don't do this to where you're just going to half-ass it and you're just throwing together teams. I get you need teams to lose, but Like I said, I really think Chad Gable and Otis deserve a little bit better than where they're at, but we need tag teams, so maybe it's a good spot for them. You got the Street Profits, but if we're talking about breaking them up, what happens? Who are the Usos going to defend these belts against? Things for them to think about. Now, a match that got pulled from the card was uh, brought up next. It was Seth Rollins and Riddle. The match got pulled after uh, Seth Rollins basically curb-stomped him onto the stairs, they came up with some weak injury angle that they did for it. Whatever. Um, Seth Rollins was originally supposed to face Riddle tonight. Match was canceled. That's what they decided to do. Riddle just slides into the ring and says he's not medically clear to compete tonight. But uh, Randy Orton told him not to take crap from a piece of trash like Seth Rollins. He could demands Rollins comes out. They fight. And basically, uh, Seth hit Riddle with another curb stomp to end the segment. We all thought we were going to possibly get a match. I didn't like the tease of that, though, throughout, like that they pulled the match and then it sounded like Rollins was going to get another match, but they kind of just nixed it. If he was really injured, he wouldn't have been able to compete in the ring. I I don't know. Maybe this is just me, the the smart wrestling fan in me, thinking way too much about it, which it probably is, but... I don't know, man, and and I hate using the word smart wrestling fan because it's, uh you know, but, you know, someone who's older and reads all the dirt in the news about this stuff to know what's going on, it, it kind of ruined it for me. I think I would have rather had the match canceled in the same fashion uh, because of this segment tonight, maybe, but let's see. They're building up this match towards uh, that Clash at the Castle show, so... Could, could make things interesting. I think a lot of people thought that maybe there would be a uh, a surprise moment of the night or something would have happened. So we didn't get that here. Rollins gets the win. I still don't understand this gimmick. I don't understand what they're doing with all of this. It's very, uh, to me as far as the character work. But Rollins and Riddle are going to put on a damn good match at the next pay-per-view. So I'm here for it. Live Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey have a match. This was my least favorite match of the night. It just felt like two people who were in there that were just kind of like stumbling over each other a little bit uh, clumsy, but I loved the ending for this. Um, I I felt like it was Liv escaping, playing cat and mouse with Ronda, and eventually Ronda got frustrated and was like, yo, I'm going to beat her down, and Ronda said, I'm about to lock her in the armbar. She gets it. Liv finds a way to the ropes every time because she's able just to scurry over, get to the ropes. And eventually, Ronda gets the armbar on, I think for like the third time. She's got it locked in, and Liv's able to stand up this time, and she's got Ronda's shoulders down. The ref sees it. He goes one, two, and Liv taps out, but the ref's looking at the shoulders and counts three. So Liv Morgan gets the win. Ronda Rousey loses, and she's like, she tapped out. Ronda is 100% right. She tapped out before the three count happened. And the ref's like, no, I saw your shoulders down. That's it. She wins. This is the Kurt Angle Undertaker storyline here. But with this one, there's a twist. Ronda Rousey then proceeds to beat down Liv Morgan. And she's not wrong. Like, she cheated. (laughs) Admit what you did, Liv. Admit what you did. Ronda beats her down and then beats down the ref. And I love it. I love it because it's been so long since we've seen a referee take a bump for a wrestler like that, and I just love that Ronda didn't care anymore and she put the ref in the arm bar after. And he better be wrestling in the cast. That's all I know after this. But Rousey's upset. She has clearly turned heel. Remember what I said? Becky turned face. Becky and Ronda Rousey is your women's match at WrestleMania next year in Hollywood. That is the big match you could do. I like it. I think that's going to be fun. Keep Ronda as a heel. I think it's a better position for her. I think all this works out. Even though I said this is a terrible match, fans got to see Liv keep the belt. Ronda got to go heel so Ronda could now talk how she wants to talk. Becky is a face. All is right within the world. These pieces, checkmate. I like it. It fits. It works. There's not really too much I can complain about when it comes to this. And now, it's time for the main event. It's uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar in a last man standing match. Uh, Roman Reigns is officially now the Undertaker when it comes to entrances. This dude's entrance is so long. Can we please start showing these video packages during Roman Reigns' entrance? It takes so long for him to get to the ring. He does all this hoopla And they just go through it. And it just reminds me of like the Undertaker stuff where I'm like, bro, just get to the ring. (laughs) Just get to the ring. I get it's part of the show. But you're just sometimes eventually you're going to be sitting there like, dude, let's go. It reminds you of the video games where you could just skip the entrances. You're like, come on. We get it. We know. Brock comes out. He walks halfway down the ramp but then walks backwards. I'm like, what's he doing? He pulls out a tractor. He goes to get a tractor and drives it down to the ring. This dude is absolutely insane um he he sets it up there and Brock Lesnar uh throws a microphone at Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns catches it effortlessly go find it on Twitter somebody put it up there and I was like yo what a beast catch I think Ryan Satin had it up originally what a beast catch though from Brock these guys start fighting battling I like it what they did um it didn't matter, though. Brock tried to jump on the barricade at one point, but uh, he caught himself before he fell down. He looked pissed after. Uh, that's just how Brock is. Lesnar and Reigns are just battling, bro. It's German suplexes. It's, it's what you would expect. People are going through the tables. Brock's back's cut up. Roman Reigns is bleeding. Uh, not not a lot, but just blood on the back, blood on the forearms. They're They're just going through it, man. They're just slamming each other through tables. And you're just waiting for that moment. Reigns and this guy um, battle. Reigns is finding ways to keep getting up. And eventually Brock gets upset and puts him inside the tractor. Uh, There's like a a shovel on the front of it, I guess I'll say. A scooper. Whatever whatever's the proper technical term. I've never driven a tractor in my life. I live in a city. Um, Brock puts him in there, though. Hoists it up. And then dumps him in the ring. Roman just... Falls like a ton of bricks. They get in the ring and they're battling. Now we see uh, Reigns locking in the guillotine choke on Brock. Brock counters and he locks in the guillotine choke on him. Like what is going on here? Um, Reigns still is eventually able to get up after being choked out at 9 barely um the usos then interfere but Brock plants both of them with German suplexes Paul Heyman as Roman Reigns is on the outside trying to get up pleads like please this is my meal ticket this is my guy this is my tribal chief you can't do this and Brock just looks at him and he knows it's a huge mistake cuz he's getting put through the table with a f5 reigns then hits a spear the referee started counting um absolutely crazy and oh i forgot to mention this how could i forget the tractor Brock Lesnar goes so crazy that he uses the tractor in the ring this is how Roman gets to the outside excuse me so before all that stuff happened with Heyman and them he puts the tractor under the ring first he moves the ring a few feet over and then he puts it under and lifts up the ring Roman Reigns like rolls out and the ring is no longer usable and I was like WWE 2k games has to find a way to put this stuff in Because this is the stuff people are going to want to do in the video game after this. They just want to break the ring and have their moments with this. So the ring is busted. I've never seen the ring destroyed from a big piece of machinery like that. So that was cool. I thought that was a very innovative spot for whoever came up with that. Um, And then that's when, like I said, everything on the outside. The Usos are getting suplexed. Heyman gets F5 through the table. Um, it, It just gets absolutely crazy with all of this. Theory comes out now. He's running down with his Money in the Bank briefcase. He bashed Roman in the face. Roman whips his head back. I thought he hurt his neck on this. That's how bad this was. Down he goes. Lesnar grabs him, and I believe he F5s him, and then he just grabs the briefcase and just beats the shit out of theory with it. Um, people are cheering for that. Reigns gets up. Um, he gets He spears him because he catches him from out of nowhere. Then he starts using the title belts as weapons and the briefcase as a weapon. They're trying to figure out what they could do here, and um, they have no idea. Brock gets up one more time. Reigns grabs the Universal Championship, hits Brock in the face with it, and then he buries him underneath the broken announcer table pieces, the steps. There was a toolbox nearby the ringside. They put everything they could on top of him, and I think they leaned on it and stood on it as well, which I would think would reset the count, but apparently not in this situation. Uh, Roman poses on top of the pile of debris. Brock Lesnar is there. Roman poses for the victory. Roman Reigns, still the undisputed universal champion. We go off the air with the pyro. It feels like it's a new day. Yes, it is. Um, I was happy for this event overall, though. I thought they did a really good job in presenting um, the card. It felt like the old takeovers, less is more sometimes. And I see why maybe Triple H moved that Rollins and Theory match off to give some of these other matches more time. You got lots of time. Do with it what you can. Um, if I had to give this pay-per-view a grade, I would probably say B-plus to an a A-minus in that territory. Um, I try not to grade the individual matches as much because how much fun did you have at the end of the day when you watched it? Overall, though, I would give this show... Um, I would lean towards a B plus. I really think it was good. I think it was worth watching. Are there a few things out here that you're kind of like, mm, you could have skipped that? Sure. Are there things that could have made it better? Yeah, for sure. But I'm interested in these changes that need to be made. And now, how far were Vince's plans out and how much of it do they want to stick with before they start making some changes? This is where we can see some real creative change. We still got all those nasty camera cuts from Kevin Dunn. I still can't stand them. But I do think the creative was a lot better tonight. And I don't know if they're going to do a draft still or what. Maybe that stuff could be fixed within it. But as somebody who I've been reviewing AEW for, I want to say, a year, year and a half now with not too many reviews of WWE stuff unless I had to. I enjoyed this. It was worth it, in my opinion. And that's what I want to do going forward is enjoy pro wrestling. I never wanted WWE to go out of business. I never wanted WWE to not have performers be able to provide for their families. None of that foolishness that you see online with with the toxic wrestling fan. I wanted WWE to become better. And I felt like they had pushed me away as a fan. And tonight... I think it was the first step. It felt like the apology show. It was like the the first time they extended the hand to me and said, come on back. We know we pissed you off before, but come on back. And you know what? To that, I'm putting my hand out, and I'm accepting it right now. Let's see what they can do. I'm willing to give this a shot, and I hope that they're ready to make a difference. But tell me what you guys thought of the show. You can follow me on all social medias, at EPW Show or type in Everything Pro Wrestling on YouTube. Give me a subscribe there. Thank you guys so much for listening to this review of SummerSlam 2022. I look forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday with our live AEW Dynamite review. Take care, everyone. One.
0: Every day pro wrestling, it can never be you. Listen to the podcast for the people. The best show that's here, so listen in. Let the knowledge begin. The opinions, the lessons, yes. For the fans, uh, for the fans, uh.